0: Welcome to the Spring Fourth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording has been made for May 10th, 2020, Mother's Day, the fifth Sunday in the Easter season. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Gospel for the fifth Sunday of Easter comes to us from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way and the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me, but if you do not then, then believe in me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. The passage that we have this morning comes to us from John chapter 14. It is a very popular passage at funerals, at least in my church it is. But what I like about this passage is that it is Jesus who is trying to prepare his disciples for his physical departure. He knows that he is facing towards the cross. He knows that he will have to go and fulfill this prophecy, that he will have to submit himself to God's will. But his disciples are not quite sure because they've always been moving and shaking with him, going where he goes, observing his deeds, feasting with him. So this notion that he's going to be going away and that they will not be able to follow is, well, it's foreign. It's foreign to them and they need to have adequate time to digest what he's trying to tell them. Now, in this passage, he says that he is going to prepare a place for them. Now, he is speaking in mystical terms. He's not speaking about a physical place that we know of, but making preparations for their life to come. But let's talk about practical matters right now. Past few weeks, we have been encouraged to shelter in place, some states even making it a mandatory order coming down from governors. This sheltering in place has allowed us to become very familiar with our own respective homes, the places that we have cultivated and created for our own well-being, our own security and safety, protection from the elements, and that unique touch that when visitors come to our place, they can look around and say, yes, this is, this is your space uniquely decorated with decor that suits your interests and your likings. Right now though, even though we have been sequestered in our homes for a great amount of time, we long to be any other place other than where we live. It's almost as if now the one thing that we longed for was time at home, time with the family, has now been forced upon us to such a degree to where We would long for anything other than what used to be a treasure, what used to be a pursuit. But now that we encounter this gospel this morning, Jesus preparing a place for us, we have to understand that in this context, having a place, having a place for your security, having a place for your stuff, having a place that you can be vulnerable is... An incredible blessing there are those in the world who do not have that who do not they can't shelter in place they've got no place to go where does their hope come from if they have no physical place they can call their own where then do they draw strength where do they find their anchor of support That's where this passage from John 14 becomes exceedingly important. That Jesus is speaking about a place that requires a certain state and frame of mind, a belief and an understanding. It's not a geographic location, but it's a way of being. So he says, where I am going, you cannot come. But you know the way, and you know the place where I am going. And this is what's so wonderful, because we have two disciples in these verses who present questions to Jesus. The first one is Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Because he's thinking, when we have traveled with Jesus in the past, we'd set out on foot, we will travel from one village to another village, We physically knew where we were going. We knew what direction we were headed. We didn't know what was going to happen when we got there. But we understood the notion of traveling. We understood the notion of moving forward. We understood the notion of being in transit with Jesus. Now he is speaking about going on a journey. And he says, we can't come. Not yet. Not this way. So Thomas, speaking in very sort of practical matters, says, We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is what Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The very things that you have seen displayed in my ministry, the compassion, the attention to detail, the care, and the feeding of others, this is the way. And this will be your way. This will be our way as we continue to live in accordance with the things that Jesus has taught us. If you have seen Jesus as you have, he goes, but you should be happy. He says you should be happy because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to the Father, I'm going to the source of this wellspring of life that you have experienced. In this brief time together, you have seen the reality of God Through my ministry, and I am going to the Father, and you should rejoice. Now, the other disciple who has a question for Jesus during this time is Philip. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Just give us a glimpse of this Godhead that you speak of, that you represent. Give us a clear indication of what this figure looks like. So we can be comforted in your absence. And it's so wonderful, Jesus' response. He looks at him, perhaps maybe even with a bit of surprise. Philip, have you been with me all this time? What part of my ministry was lost on you? What part of the healings, what part of the, the teachings, what part of the instruction was lost on you? How can you say, show us the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For the Father and I are one. One unit, one solid, unified source. To interact with one is to interact with the other. So Jesus demonstrates that because he and God are so united, that he is the way, he is the way to the reality of God, to the understanding of God consciousness, the wellspring of compassion, and then also that all this time as the disciples have experienced the ministry of Jesus, they have been experiencing the fullness of God. So what's so remarkable about this place that Jesus promises his disciples and us? You know, in a time of great uncertainty, we need to hear passages like this one. We need to hear passages where Jesus says, "Oh." You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's around the bend. I do. I have it all covered. That's why this passage is so wonderful to use as a balm in a funeral. Because at a funeral, we have this hope and desire for the deceased. That they are at peace, at rest, that they dwell with God. And as we continue to wrestle with how will life reboot? How will life be lived when we venture out of our houses and back to our offices and back to our churches and back to our play spaces? What are we willing to let go? Because our trust that a place that's been prepared for us is so solid and so secure in our minds, there is no question and no doubt that we take on a sort of opiate-like consciousness, completely numb to all the ills of the world because we rest and dwell so securely in this promise. This is a promise that Jesus is making to them. He's making this promise. He's like, look, we've been together. We've done ministry together. I've shown you things that blew your mind. But that's nothing compared to what you will do when I return to the source. When I return to the source, I ask that you call on me. I ask that you call upon my name. And if anything you ask, if it be the will of God, I will grant it. There's that sense in which what Jesus is imparting to us is confidence. I mean, confidence and certainty are some things that might be lacking right now in our existence, but not in our worship place. Not in our faith. There is no uncertainty when it comes to our faith. That is certain. That is something we can rely upon. That is something that will always give us an uplift. That we find in Jesus, that he consoles us with a promise. He consoles us with the certainty that he will do these things. So first of all, he takes away any question about, well, where should we go? If Jesus is leaving, If he is heading out, if he is departing and we cannot come, should we attach ourselves to another? Because that was a very legitimate concern. The disciples are like, well, if you're not going to be with us, and we've attached ourselves to you, and we've studied with you, and you're going, do we go and seek another teacher? Do we go back to our old ways of life? Do we return to, what do we do? This is why Jesus has to give them the certainties, like, You don't need to run away. You don't need to go and seek another rabbi. You don't need to go and find another religious platform. Your time has not been wasted. I assure you that I come from the source, that I represent the source, and that I have imparted to you the reality of that creator, that wellspring of life. So you needn't go searching for another version. Focus upon me. Remember the things that I have taught you. That's very important. It's very important that as Jesus prepares his disciples for his departure, he says, remember the things that I taught you. Later on in this passage, he goes on to speak about the Holy Spirit as being an advocate. The spirit of truth will dwell and abide in us. And it will remind us of those things that Jesus taught during his ministry. So there'll be no misunderstanding, there'll be no confusion about what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? How are we supposed to interact with one another? The Holy Spirit will be there as a reference to say, don't forget now, compassion is the order of the day. Kindness, service, be attentive. I can imagine, though, that as those disciples were hearing those words, that they were ill at ease, that they were agitated. I mean, Jesus is giving them good news, but it's couched in anxiety-ridden language. That you take... We don't want our friends, we don't want people who are important and significant to us to tell us that they're going away and that we can't come with them. How many of us have been at the bedside of a loved one who is preparing to depart from this life and go on into this world It's not an easy place to be. You know that's where you should be. You know that's where you, you, where you have to be. I mean, there's no question you need to be there. But it's not easy. It's not easy to sit there and to look at what's left of a person that you knew when they were robust and vibrant, when they were doing their thing. And to see them now dwindled down by illness, infirmity, unable to bounce back. And for those who were still lucid enough to say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Nobody wants to hear those words. And Jesus wasn't on his deathbed. It wasn't like his disciples were gathering around his hospital bed while he's got tubes coming out of every which way and he's reaching up to them, feeble. No! I imagine them just being together and, and, and dining. He looks very healthy. His color's good. But yet he has to tell his disciples, you do realize this time won't last forever. We won't always be chummy-chummy, running from town to villages, bumming meals where we where we can. This will have to come to an end because the Incarnation of what is supposed to happen, the true blessing, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, can't be with you if I'm still hanging around. So I have to go to make a space for you and to prepare you for the next phase of your development. So Jesus gives him this straight talk in the only way that he can, He comforts them, he tries to speak to them words of hope, and he clarifies their questions. Where are you going? I am the way. Show us the Father. You have already seen the Father. I have not concealed anything from you. I did not do ministry in a vacuum. Every time you saw me do a deed of power, forgive a sin, feed the multitude, heal the sick, challenge those authorities with penetrating questions. Every time you saw me do these things, you saw the reality of God. You can almost imagine them starting to sort of slowly nod in agreement and go, yes. Yes, that's what he was doing. He was revealing to us the reality of God. And the fact that God dwells not just in the spaces where we would expect. Look, by now, I think we've all realized that God is far beyond the confines of the sanctuary.
1: We have not been in our
0: sanctuary for some time, but yet maybe now more than ever, we feel a profound closeness to God. Closer than we ever have nodding off in the pews, There's been a sense now, an urgency, where our faith has become a very real thing. Reliable, consistent, delivering us from moment of despair after moment of despair. Saving us from what would be another dangerous freakout when we're so tired of bouncing off the walls of our homes. So we We challenge, we challenge the other members of our house. And then we hear these words, these these words are coming to you today. We might say that, oh, Jesus delivered these words years ago, and he did, but they can come to you fresh and new this very moment that Jesus says to us, I am preparing a place for you. Where I am going, you cannot come just yet. But, be of good cheer, because the things that you have read about me, the things that you have seen in your own communities, the very work that I have done through you, is all comes from the Source, comes from the Creator, the very one who charged me with this mission of coming into the world in the first place and giving you exactly what you needed to see and what you needed to hear. It's the most reliable information that we can get in an age of great uncertainty, is to know, and I I love this phrase, is to know that we are not alone. That God, in Christ, is so very accessible. It's a wonder, we didn't get around to having a conversation with him sooner. But we've had this downtime. And if you're watching this video and you're watching other videos, you've been thinking about these things. You've been thinking about the essence and the importance of your faith. You've been thinking about your life in relationship to other individuals whom you care about. You've been thinking about how. Can I continue to bless and to serve when I'm finally allowed to get out, do my thing? One of the great images of Easter is the butterfly. I haven't seen any butterflies yet. I think they're out there. They're still brewing. But this time, think about it. We have been in a cocoon. We have been sequestered in our cocoon. Even those of us who have been still allowed to go to work, it's not the same at work. All these new precautions and things that we have to be aware of, keeping distance, you know, six feet, six feet, we just keep hearing these words and these numbers dancing around in our heads. We're always mindful of people who might touch their face too much or or they put their hand on something that we're going to have to pick up later and we're like, don't, don't, don't touch my workstation. Just Be off with you. So, this is constant suspicion that keeps gnawing at us. So, we have been in a cocoon. But what happens when every butterfly emerges from its pupa state? It goes in a slimy little worm, maybe a little hairy worm, but either way, it's a leaf munching, crunching worm. It's a worm caterpillar, okay? For those of you entomologists out there who say, get it right, Gentry. But either way, it goes in in a lowly state, inching along. And then it has some downtime, locked up in its little cocoon, sleeping the blissful sleep of transformation. And when it emerges, it is arrayed in color and it can fly And for those fortunate not to be picked off by birds, they can drink the sweet nectar of the flowers of creation. That's a great image for Easter. And Jesus is saying, I'm preparing a place for you. What if it is the case that right now this this earthly existence is but our pupa state? As we continue to learn what it means to walk the path of faith, what it means to venture, what it means to place another before our own concerns, to elevate them so they can have a quality of life. We can affirm and support and encourage, but ultimately we are being transformed as those early disciples were being transformed, shaped So when they finally emerge to that place that's been prepared for them, they are no longer as they were. They were created anew, arrayed in new splendor, with new abilities and a new awareness. If we don't emerge from this pandemic with some profound new consciousness, we wasted our own time. We wasted our own time in terms of what we could read, what we could explore, what conversations we could have with those who were available to have them. If we don't emerge from this time having a sense that something significant has happened to us, we missed an incredible moment. Don't miss the moment. Jesus' promise is a promise to you, to us, right now, this very moment. I go to prepare a place for you. It's not business as usual. The Holy Spirit will come in and bless and keep us, remind us that we are not alone, but remind us that we are capable. And being capable is something that we need to hear in times when we're feeling decidedly incapable fearful anxiety ridden to hear somebody tell you that you are capable to hear somebody tell you that you are that you are important that you are needed and that you are the person for the job is exactly the kind of uplift that you need at this time that we all need but don't take my word for it take jesus's word he says i'm going to the father and if any of you should ask anything in my name, I will grant it. The Lord bless and keep you now and always. May the Lord keep you and guide you in peace. Amen. Let us pray. Beloved and most merciful God, we give you thanks for reminding us that there's a place prepared for us. It's good to hear that. It's good to be reminded of the fact of the reality that you have taken the extra steps to ensure our well being. Even at this time right now when the world is feeling so different, so raw and vulnerable, it's just good to hear those words affirmed that you prepare a place for us and that you will come again and that we may be together. But the truth is is that we're together now we're right here rock solid with you you inform us you keep us patient you protect us from our own foolish and poor decisions and so we thank you for the consistency that you have always demonstrated and the consistency that you invite us into as we share with you we turn to you today because we know that this is a significant and important sunday As it is Mother's Day, and Mother's Day, in past, the churches have always been full. Children joining with their mothers, celebrating worship together, spring discernibly in the air and visible on the trees and the spring flowers. Now we're doing Mother's Day at an awkward distance. Mother's Day through FaceTime, Mother's Day through Skype, Mother's Day through Zoom, Mother's Day through video messaging and phone calls. It's still Mother's Day. We can still communicate with our mothers. But this new routine that we've had for those of us who live apart and at a distance from our moms are finding and feeling the poignant awkwardness of today, but we ask that you bless our moms, bless the tireless, thankless role that they have played in the shaping of their children's lives. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless them and keep them safe and help them to continue to meet the needs of shaping the minds of their children and those that they are called to mother. Through their love, we experience your grace. So may you continue to lay a blessing upon mothers everywhere that they too will be restored and renewed with your blessing to continue on the good work of looking after those that you have blessed in their care. And as the world continues to press on, dealing with the pandemic. We continue our prayers for those who are sick and suffering, those who are serving at the front lines, those who are edging back into their workspaces. Continue to keep everybody safe and sane. These words cannot be overstated. It is still a nervous time, and there are many opinions may your opinion and may your imprint on us prevail teach us the more excellent way keep your eyes upon us and help us once again to serve you to the best of our abilities remember us as we pray as one our father who art in heaven